All right, so this is our first episode of the podcast. And you know how podcasts, they often have theme songs? So uh, I know I'm just kind of throwing this out in here, but I'm going to start doing like a sort of tune. And I want you to beatbox on. You can do that, right? I should be able to. All right, right? Do I really have to do this? Uh, You know, you want to be taken seriously as a podcaster? Then yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is our first episode. We could add it later. I say be in the now. You know me to be an adventurous fellow, right? All right. Adventurous. Anyways. All right. Well, let's hear it. Yeah, that'll do it. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, fellow nerds, to the fellow... <sighs> we start again. <laughs> That's a great way to start, isn't it? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Welcome, fellow nerds, to the first and hopefully not only episode of The Ritwist, the podcast where two losers named Matt actually seem to think they're better writers than you. I'm Matt Donald. And I'm Matt David. And let's begin this... I don't even know what we're doing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What? Did I come up with this or not? I don't know. I mean, who's to say? I know someone drugs someone into this. We won't say who. Well, you know, I mean, you can take a guess, but you might be wrong. Now, here's the thing. The reason we think that we are better writers than you is because we have experience as writers. As opposed to everyone, all the other writers who don't... Well, it takes a deal of courage to write something anyway, right? Especially to finish it. You know, yeah, absolutely. A lot of writers tend to just stare at a blank... Back in the day, it was a blank piece of paper on a typewriter, but this isn't 1824, whenever they had typewriters. Or if you go even further back, it was just a quill on paper. Yeah, or papyrus. But no, it takes a lot of efforts just to... Make that one word. Usually, usually in today's day and age, what do you think that first word is most of the time? That's not interesting podcasting. We're going to move on. (laughs) Well, I'm not worried about it. It's interesting podcasting. I'm just asking the question because if you really want to know how most writers think, I personally vote that today more people start with the word blah just to have something down. And then write an actual beginning. So it's not a blank screen. It's basically a blank screen. Blah can't follow into another sentence. (laughs) Well, blah, 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 blah could. Are you aware you're still talking? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. But here is the deal. We need to talk about why we are better writers than the people listening to this podcast. So I think a good way to do that for our first episode is to talk about our experiences as writers. You could have and sounded a little bit less stilted Donald, there. <laughs> and because Donald is far more experienced than I, and yet still I think somehow a you should have writer, the privilege you know? to go first. Okay, I'll go first. Fine. Okay. Well, yeah, I've been writing my whole life. I've pretty much known I've wanted to be a writer ever since when I was six years old, and I won a writing contest writing a poem that said how much I wanted to be a writer. I think 
that's as good of an origin story as you can get, I think. Straight out of Hollywood. Well, I, I grew up in a decent family, and no one told me I couldn't do it, so I guess it's not quite as good as some Hollywood movies have said. So, well, um, you do need to have that support, too, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't start seriously writing until I think I was about 13 or so, or 12. Well, I had a lot of plans until then, but like then I just started writing stuff down, and I, I really like creating. Even in my downest, no matter how down I am about myself, I always, I always really liked the fact that I'm creative, and I always know that I'm really creative, and I, and writing is a good way to express that. So, yes, absolutely. So. Did, would you like to talk about some of the projects you have managed to complete, or do you want uh, me no, to let's share say that. some let's, of my experiences? You, like I said, I wanted to take about three to five minutes to do this, and we're about five minutes in right now. So, <laughs> so okay. I'm gonna. Well, we have some editing to do already. Absolutely, but. yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk a little bit about my experiences as a writer. Please do. Uh, my experience as a writer is more along the lines of taking a concept that exists and asking the question, what if something were different? I do a lot of thinking about personal fan fiction and these things that I enjoy, I usually spin them into directions that I would prefer to see. Because if you've ever watched a TV show, particularly a TV show, but perhaps a movie as well, you know, ah, they could have done this better, and I would have liked it more. And answering those questions, and using your curiosity and your creative sense to get there. And I think that that's the most enjoyable aspect of writing to me. I also like to think that I'm quite creative, of course, my first pursuit in life is not writing, but one of my favorite hobbies outside of that is. And I am always coming up with situations and uh, scenarios in my head. Sometimes they make it to the page, sometimes they don't. But the important thing is, if you have ideas, to get them down. You may not use them, but you could eventually come back to them and some great things can happen. Yes. I have lots of planned stories that really haven't made it far enough to become successes. Right, yeah. But people think that I'm a pretty good writer. So I hope that they're right. But we'll just have to see, you know, won't we? <laughs> we can talk about it. Uh, it's yeah, a good that... conversation to have. Well, absolutely. That's why we're doing this dang thing. <laughs> so, yeah, well, we, we both like to write and... An uh, unfortunate fact that a lot of writers seem to be all too aware of is that writers need inspiration from something. We don't exist in a vacuum. Uh, they say everything is a ripoff of something else. So here's a segment of the show where we talk about what we've ripped off or plan to rip off, I guess, to put it very eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll start with this one. Uh, one of my one of my favorite things when I was growing up was the show Power Rangers. Right. and. Admittedly, it seems childish to be my age and still liking Power Rangers, but a lot of well, my fanfiction. Well, you know, a lot of people fictions... really like ponies now, so I guess it's okay to write. To oh, like were you referring power... to My Little Pony? Yes. <laughs> Friendship is Magic? Yes. All right, fair enough. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's one of those things for me that as an adult now, I look at the show and think, golly, they could have done so many things better and it would have been more well, enjoyable Power Rangers. as What do you adult. expect? <laughs> it's a kid's show. I know. I know. And so, like, just to put it out there, inspiration can come in multiple forms. Mm. Like, for me, I use the framework of Power Rangers 
and try to tell my own story right, with yeah. my own characters and their own powers and their own situations. And admittedly, you can't do anything original anymore. Mm -hmm. But you can take different unoriginal bits and combine them in an original way. Yeah. And I really like that method of inspiration. My dad refers to that as putting puzzle pieces together. Like, if you have... If you don't have a lot of inspiration, your story, all your puzzle pieces, they're very clear what what those pieces represent from what you've liked and what you've watched and stuff. So he always told me, make your puzzle pieces smaller. And yeah, I'm definitely, I, I definitely feel I've gotten a lot better about that as of late with my writing. And the other thing too is that it's, it's for fan fiction, and I, I use that example because I'm most familiar with it. For right. fan fiction, it's simply asking the question, what if... Mm -hmm and something is different than the show or something different than the book is presented, you know? So it's kind of like in Twilight when people are, you know, casting Bella with the werewolf. His name is not Edward. That's the Jacob. vampire. I can't believe I'm Jacob. I know this, but Jacob. <laughs> well, you know, I, I could understand I, why you I, I know, know it because Jacob of all the shirts people. I've seen. Like Team Bella. Wait, no. Team Bella. I, team I, Bella. <laughs> That's great. I'm not even Team Bella. Have you seen Kristen Stewart? She's weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even Team Twilight, but you know, well, I just neither, came well, up. Just to be clear, listeners, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither of us are, but I use the example because like, a lot of people who appreciate Twilight are people who really want to cast Bella with Jacob right? Yeah. as opposed to how it ended up, you know? Spoiler That's alert. a what-if question. No, in case someone actually cares. <laughs> Spoilers are going to happen in this show, so mm -hmm. please listen with uh, judicious ears. Oh, oh, by the way, Jesus dies, but is brought back in three days. <laughs> okay, that is definite spoilers for the Bible right there. Oh, man. Okay, well, anyway. Speaking of which, there's a lot of stuff to rip off in the Bible, but that's another story, it's isn't biblical it? biblical epics. <laughs> but I'm not, I don't have a lot of experience with writing those. I have. I had plans for a Revelation-type story a while back, um, but we'll see if that goes anywhere. But anyways. Um, well, I mean, it'll probably be the last thing you ever do. Well, well, at least the people in the story, they'll be... I can't follow up that joke. You're fine. <laughs> You're just too good with your words and your language. But, your... you know, I mean, inspiration comes in many forms. Like, I mentioned, I mentioned a TV show. But I'm sure that there are some of you out there who like watching movies and get inspiration or read books. Hopefully. Yeah, and as a writer, I hope you read a little bit. Like, I... <laughs> it's always said that you're a better writer the more you can read. Now, in today's digital age, that more you read doesn't have to mean just a physical book, I don't think. Like... However, it should mean more than just Twitter, to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um... I, in terms of books, I'm actually reading a book. Now, can you believe it? <laughs> All right. Tell us more. It's The Martian, the the book that the movie is based off of. It's by Andy Weir. I got to tell you, that guy really lucked out. Like, he he wrote this book. He posted it on this website. People were like, this is really good. You should publish it. So he self-published it. It got picked up. It got turned into a movie a year later with Matt Damon, which was a big hit. Like, and it's, and the movie is exactly like a book almost like you gotta tell you he 
he really struck gold multiple times. <laughs> and sometimes there are great stories like that out there. Now, I believe, Donald, that you have seen the movie, correct? Yeah, I have. I saw it with my dad. So you've seen the movie, and you are reading the book. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious, because it's a pretty big deal for creators. Do you keep to the book, or do you make it more cinematic because you have the visuals? And, like, the, the example that comes to my mind is the Harry Potter series. Right, yeah. You know, well, and or or Lord of the Rings. Let's let's go Lord of the Rings first. Lord of the Rings is probably a better thing that reason thing to talk about. I do have stuff I want to say about Harry Potter later, like about about this topics as well. But um, sure. But basically, I feel like people don't seem to get, or maybe this is maybe it's just me. Films and books are two different mediums, and they're two different ways to tell a story. Like absolutely. Like I've noticed that a lot of people when the when like a screenwriter adapts their own. Uh, book into a screenplay they pretty much just take the dialogue and the scenes word for word it's like they're saying my book is fine the way it is you can just make it into a movie with the same situations just in visual form and i don't think that's necessarily always the best way to go i would agree it's not always the best way to go but at the same time you really do hope that the essence of what makes up your story as far as character interaction is enhanced by the screen you know, taking something from the page to a visual form can be quite difficult. I know that uh, both of us are fond of superheroes, so it's worth mentioning comic books, a marriage of art and text. You I know. feel like what really made superhero movies work back in the days when they realized exactly that they don't have to be exactly like the comic books because comic books are kind of ridiculous. Well... Comic books are kind of ridiculous, which, you know, there's there's a reason that they're mostly ridiculous. is because these characters have powers that are pretty much not going to... See, you're not going to see them in real life. Absolutely. But, like, the first superhero movie that was really taken seriously was the first Superman movie back in sometime this... I don't... I've As someone who prides himself in... I want to say 73. Movies, no, it was 76 or 78, or maybe even 79. It was... Sometime between seventy six and seventy nine, I don't know. Well, which. I know that I know who the star was. It was Christopher Reeve, and you know that movie. That movie has lasted a long time because Christopher Reeve was very good casting choice for Superman, but also because this silly story, like seriously, you can fly around the world fast enough to reverse the flow of time. Yes, what well, horse crap is that? <laughs> people don't seem to get that when he makes the Earth spin back. He's not making the Earth spin backwards. He's just going so fast he's traveling through time. That's why the Earth is seeming to spin backwards. He's not He's not reversing time by spinning the Earth backwards. He's reversing time by going really fast, which makes the Earth spin backwards. Which you just contradicted yourself, but I digress. No, he didn't. He didn't tur- go... <laughs> what I'm saying is that he didn't reverse time by spinning the earth backwards. He reversed time by flying really fast, which, which, and then because time which is going caused backwards, caused the earth to go backwards. Yes. Thus, yes. he essentially did what you said he didn't do. No, but no, the no. Point is, I'm saying it's not like he just. It's not like if he took up the, the the earth on a top and then spun it. It wouldn't just cause well, time okay, to go Well, okay, he's not Atlas, but anyway. The point being here that superhero stories, you know, and and this is true with Power Rangers, too, in a way. It's a story about something that we can only really dream about. It's something that we can't really see. And, you know, 
it's an idealized form. So these people that are so powered, saving the world, and they're good characters, and they're great people, and all this wonderful stuff, the reality isn't quite that majestic. It isn't quite that nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a pretty good segue, I think, into our main topic, um, which is about stuff that isn't real to some extent, I guess. Um, well, I would say so. I mean, I guess it depends on his various levels. We're talking about fantasy this weekend, guys. We figured it was a broad, broad enough topic. We figured it was a broad enough topic to start off with because we probably have a lot to say. And considering that we've already mentioned two very prominent examples of fantasy adapted into cinema form, you know, are you talking about Lord a... of the Rings or Harry Potter, or you talk, or is Twilight correct too? I was referring more to Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter it's because Twilight I fantasy? actually care about those stories. I mean, it's more romance, but it has fantasy elements, so... Well, you know, we'll we'll get into that with Twilight later because <laughs> neither of us I, are twihards. I think, I think we're twi-softs. Does that work? I'm like a non-twi, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not against people liking it. I recognize it's not for me. Well, like, and you have to, you know your own tastes. And we'll get into that a little bit with fantasy, too, of course, because there are a bunch of different kinds of fantasy. But the first thing I want to ask about fantasy is how you feel about writing fantasy. Probably better than you do. I think the most fantastic thing you've written is Dimitri Duck. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, in case you guys don't know, listeners, it's like, it's basically just an anthropomorphized duck, whatever the word is, I can't say it right. It's a duck who acts like a human. <laughs> and he's in with a bunch of other animals who act like humans. I don't, and, I don't know about you, know, you guys. I don't see any animals that look like humans and act like humans around here, so. <laughs> Ducks that don't fly, they drive a car. You know, I mean, that kind of silly stuff. <laughs> and it's And it's not realistic, which that could be one definition of fantasy, but I don't think it's quite that simple. Now, the thing... The thing to point out here, uh, I do want to go back just a bit to inspiration. <laughs> inspiration from anywhere. Dimitri Duck was actually an extension of a story that my older brother originally wrote. Right. So that's the reason I did it. Uh, if you want to know more about it, you'll have to, you know, email me somewhere to find Some, out more. Email me somewhere. It's a fun you'll story. figure it out, listeners. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a fun, it's a fun story. I, I really enjoyed it. But... He's right. It is probably the most fantastical thing I've done because it didn't focus on humans. Now, contrast that to Donald here, who, you know, there are a lot of non-human characters in your story. I'm only just starting to get to the point where humans are even characters. And even them, my characters who are the most human I'm writing right now, they're still gods. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing that I think of... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm writing this story called Newbies of Valhalla. It's like a it's like a script format sort of episodic story. It's written like as if it would be like a Saturday morning cartoon, which may they rest in peace. Apparently they don't exist anymore and like because Saturday morning is no longer a thing anymore kids. I guess they don't want to get up on Saturday. That's it's gross. <laughs> but anyways, I don't think anybody wants to get up early on Saturday. That's just they gross all around. They were just doomed around. to fail. They were destined for <laughs> failure here. <laughs> I don't know. I I think kids still enjoy it, but I think the cartoons are way worse. Well, Mind you, that has a lot to nostalgia. do with me being too old. You yeah, know, that's, that's nostalgia at work. <laughs> Anyways, um, you I were mean, talking I, about newbies of Valhalla. Point Please is, they're the more. most human characters I've ever had, and only that they look like humans. <laughs> like, and I guess they're like human. I guess all my characters 
act like humans. I was about to say, Donald, that a lot of your characters are kind of like humans in other clothing, you know. Yeah. And honestly, okay. it makes a decent amount of sense because the relationships of humans are the ones you know. Right. Which actually... Your famous story, your your biggest project, which has taken multiple forms and multiple inspirations, is a story about dinosaurs using right. technology. And, you know, as much as you like dinosaurs, I know this. Yes. You relate to them because of how human they can be in your story. Well, you know, I didn't want to have all the dialogue be rawr and rawr and <laughs> No, I understand why. But you know, you've made dinosaurs very complex. Mm -hmm. You've made them more human, which is a pretty fantastical element in my mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but actually, what you were saying, though, about relatability brings up a point that I did want to talk about. Where do you think the line is with how... Because there are some really out-there fantasies. Like, you always... You've got to have some form of related, relatability so our human earthling readers... And read it and be entertained by it. But so, where do you think the? I guess maybe not where the line is, but like how far do you think you can go? Well, that's a good question because, like, I mean, with the elements of a story, which you know, we'll hopefully in our future episodes of the <laughs> Ritwit, we'll talk more about those. But maybe like, they come soon or come at all. <laughs> <laughs> but the deal is this, you know, with with fantasy. The, the setting is the key for a fantasy, and the concept behind the story is the key. The dialogue is similar because, you know, it's got to be in some language that you at least explain to the so they understand. I mean, if it was completely in gobbledygook and the entire, all of the descriptions, all of the characters spoke in it, you wouldn't have hardly anyone reading it unless you explained what the gobbledygook meant. Now, that does not does not talk about other languages which you know successful stories people get paid to turn your story into other languages which heck that would be a pretty nice but life. those are but, real languages though right but they're real languages that real humans speak right. and understand and read as much as tolkien probably is rolling in his grave about it no one really speaks elvish other than tolkien nerds <laughs> Well, I mean, it just depends on what kind of Elvish you speak. If you say something, oh, that was Elvish. I'm sorry, are you aware of any cultures out there whose main language is Elvish? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just throwing out there a couple of extra things to consider. But here's the deal with how far the line goes. I think it has to do with, um, I, I think it has to do with the characters and the way that they relate to each other. You know, aside from the language thing, if they speak the same language, are they communicating in a way that's still human? human enough that we can see ourselves in it somehow, even if we aren't. So like with your story, Megazoic, I can see myself in the interaction between Cortan and Belar. Right, yeah. Thanks. Even though <laughs> I, guess I, I am not job, either of those species, mm -hmm. obviously. I'm human, not dinosaurid. <laughs> Whether it's Sinraptor, Triceratops, Tyrannosaurus, Shuntungosaurus, Apatosaurus, Hey, you named whatever. a fake one. No, oh, I'm sorry. They I were all real. Point. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I don't know nearly as much about dinosaurs. We'll, we'll we'll probably have an episode where we talk about that kind of stuff too. But Some you know, I mean, the, the reality is this: as long as I can recognize why people interact the way they do, I think it's okay. 
Sounds if good. they're all aliens who happen to speak in a language that I do understand for that reason alone. It's not about language, okay. though. Like, if they're doing things that are relatable, even, I mean, well, you gotta... I mean, it's kind of like watching a show in a different language. Well, yeah. You know, if you have that to see, if you can see what they're acting on and what they're doing, that's one thing. But in a book form, in just text form, it's hard to see those actions. Now, I guess the example we didn't mention, and I don't know if this is what you were referring to or not, is the chance that somebody writes the story in English, but the language is not right. for English readers. Well, yeah, well that's, yeah, that's translation convention. Cause well, yeah, in Star I, Wars, I, they're not speaking English. They're speaking basic. So. Well, right. But, like, the the reality is this, that you know, I well that that example Star Wars is we'll not only it. another very prevalent example, but you know it has a lot to do with making it understandable to us. Kind of like uh, I mentioned, I mentioned Power Rangers earlier. It's actually based on a Japanese show, right. and I've been watching some of the Japanese shows with English subtitles because I don't know enough Japanese to really watch it in Japanese. But here's the thing that always makes me laugh. You've got these conquerors and aliens coming from all over the galaxy and these strange planets. Why in the world do they all speak Japanese? I think it would be really cool if some of them did. At least know? in some... Usually in some form, there's some sort of explanation like, oh, we downloaded your language into our memory banks and we learned it or whatever. For whatever well, reason... Well, most of it's them really don't odd have when that. they completely ignore the language barrier. Like, even freaking Pocahontas said, listen to your heart, you will understand. And she listened to her heart, and it's like, my name's Pocahontas, and John Smith understood her, and everyone was like, what? <laughs> Including that raccoon. But... <laughs> so, I don't remember the finer details of Pocahontas, but, but the, the point, point is, is... They did some form of explanation to why they could speak each other's language. Well, sure. The, but the example like, that the... really... The example that really makes me wonder how it all works is in Thor. Why are they speaking English? They don't mention anything about any other... Like, they should be speaking at least Old Norse, but like, he comes to Earth and has no problems talking to people. In the second well, time, other than goes, sounding like a British person. But, which but he sense. speaks perfectly eloquent English. And, well, and you it, know, it's, it's proper English, but nonetheless, it's still language. But the point I mean, is... When also when Jane in the, in the second one when Jane goes up there, she has no problems talking to anybody there. They're an alien culture who came down to the Scandinavians back in the day, like at least in that version of the story, yes. But they and, shouldn't and be so speaking English. Where you draw the line, and, and so where you draw the line is very important. I mean, I think I think we've kind of set our line, and maybe this is not true. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I think we've set our line, either the text has to be, like, so the dialogue or the acts have to be in a language we understand and can right. read. Makes sense. Even if they aren't white, Anglo-Saxon, European, American, whatever race have you, whatever skin tone, whatever language That's you know. That's all one skin you know? tone, by the way. I don't know if you meant to sound racist. Don't. <laughs> <That's> all... <laughs> Just because we have the same skin tone doesn't mean I have to assume that our listeners do. Come on. But anyway. Well, you don't think all uh, the listeners are green? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any red Martians? <laughs> I have a third eye here somewhere. It might be a red pack here. 
<laughs> it might be on top of my head. Wayside School. Anyway, <laughs> that was an ear, by the way. That wasn't a. That wasn't. That was a ear. On top oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was an ear, not an eye. <laughs> my fault. <laughs> Get your sensory organs correct. All right. <laughs> I but, must be having synesthesia of the mind. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, anyways. Well, one thing I was going to bring up, though, it seems like a lot of fantasy stories, in order to have that kind of relatability, they have the main character be someone who's, like, exploring this world for the first time. Whether it be, like, Alice in Wonderland, where Alice is transported, or, you know, Dorothy uh, in The Wizard of Oz, and usually it's a dream, then, but sometimes... And actually, in the original book for Oz, it was not a dream. That was just added for the movie. Um, well, but... and the thing and the thing you have to remember is that with an audience that's in, experiencing this for the first time, we need somebody to guide us through that journey. Well, yeah. And so there's always a character. It may not be the protagonist. Well, it a may lot be of times some... it is, though, but yeah. Well, usually it is because that way we're relating to the character and the world at the same time they are. Well, like even in Lord of the Rings, when Frodo is in the freaking... Middle Earth. He's in the Shire, which is very secluded from the rest of it. So he's exploring the rest of it like we are too, even though he lives in it. Absolutely. Or like Luke Skywalker, he never left Tatooine, even though he really wanted to. So he's exploring mm. the galaxy with the rest of us as well, and he's learning about the Jedi for the first time ever. And so yeah, that's fair. And and like if we don't have a vehicle to see the world, then either the narrator has to provide a ton of exposition. Mm-hmm. Or we risk not understanding what's going on and we get less interested. So yeah. that's probably the reason for it. Absolutely. Like, if the character is the one asking, what's this? Who's that? Where am I? It feels less forced than the, the audience. Or even just, it makes the audience, it's easier for the audience to get it, basically. Right. Which, you know, you want your audience to understand your story. Right. I mean, it'd be even better if it was translated into other languages. We'll, we'll wrap around back to Harry Potter probably more than once more in this episode. But, like, to use that example, it was translated into how many languages? Have? Probably every language that ever exists, including probably Elvish. There might be a, Including there Atlantean, yeah, right. Anyways. But, like, you know... Atlantean may... Atlantis Lost Empire is an actual language. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> right. That's why I said Atlantean. But anyway. I know. It wasn't just, uh, just so you listeners know, we weren't just talking about generic, like, Atlantean, like, generic Atlantis. We're talking about from Disney, the Disney we could have been. We could have been talking about Namor the Submariner. Did they have a language? Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I mean, the deal is this. Like, it may not be the exact same words but it still is trying to tell the same story mm-hmm. and so as long as i can understand it in the language that i speak best or understand best then it's okay even if it's set in a completely different galaxy long long ago in a galaxy far far away but what if it's like a, a place where like you don't drink you don't drink water you or there's not even you're swimming all the time or like whatever drug sort of induced things I'm thinking of that I can't think of on the spot, but it's basically a world that's completely backwards. Like, right. As long as they have human, as long as they have human like relations to each other. But don't you think it'd be easier if one of the characters was like, where the hell am I? What is this garbage that I'm in? Well, absolutely. If you have a character who's experiencing that for the first time, he can take our role. He can be our proxy in that right. respect or she, I shouldn't be sexist, but here's, here's something else to consider about fantasy. It, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, I think, but the question is, what benefits does it present? Mm-hmm. What challenges does it present when compared with 
other types of fiction, other genres? For the longest time, it was really hard for me to write anything other than something in, in the non-real world. Um, whenever I write about a real location, like a city or a other location that I can't think of, a country or some just a location that I have never been to, my only guide to it is the internet. And even though I'm sure a lot of readers don't care if I get every detail accurate, I feel... I feel very paranoid that I'll be writing it I'll be, and then a reader who happens to be from that little place like, hey, that's not right. And then they'll hate the whole story because of that. And uh, even though they won't, I, I'll probably care about it way more than they do. And, but I just, I'm so detail oriented that I prefer not to worry about that when actually trying to create a story. So that's why if I make up my own world with my own rules, it's easier for me. And I feel like a lot of writers are that same way. Like a lot of writers start with some sort of fantasy, I think. Well, and if you consider the re if you consider the process of creating your own world and endearing yourself to those characters, you know, having your own rules, making it your own story, it's so much simpler to make it your own than to deal with something that you don't know. Now, I would argue that in the case of the real world thing that, you know, part of the job of a writer is to do research so he represents it or she as mm -hmm. accurately as possible, not to the point of exact representation right. because that's simply not possible without experience, but enough that you are being essentially correct without being perfect. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Well, even in my story I'm working on right now, which has dinosaurs in a, like we talked about a megazoic, it's like it's got dinosaurs in a sci-fi place. Um, there's a lot of things I've had to research that I didn't think I would have to. Like just lately for this one chapter, I was doing research for how treaty proposals are written to see if, um, just to make sure I get it as accurately as I could, just even though this is a fake treaty proposal, I just right. want to make sure it sounded like a real one, even though there's really no reason for me to do that. Well, it goes back to you saying about how you're detail oriented. Mm -hmm. Now, from my take on it, I think that, you know, with fantasy being as broad as it is, you know, fantasy, you have to create literally everything. You have to create the characters, the races, the language, the government. You have to create all of that stuff. Well, sometimes. And it depends so, on the type of fantasy, but yeah. Well, it depends, it depends on the type of fantasy. But if you're going completely against the grain, the only thing relating it back to us is English. You have to create all the, con the social contract and stuff like that, which, you know, it requires a decent amount of knowledge in a broad area right. of fields. Absolutely. And so it can be it can be kind of beneficial to the to both the writer and the story if you do that research. Mm. So like I mean as a fringe educational benefit there is that possibility with ex with extraordinary fantasy. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're trying to make it like realistic. Now how far realistic can still be called fantasy as opposed to something else? That's I feel like if it in has, the eye of the beholder, if it has one element, well, actually, no, it depends because there's also magic realism, where it's just like a genre where something it's basically the real world. It's oh, it actually, it's almost entirely the real world, except there's one fantasy element that makes the whole plot go. Now, examples of this include the movie Groundhog Day, or Freaky Friday, or Just Like Heaven, or. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. How do I know these movies? <laughs> well, you grew up with a lot of sisters. That's what I, I'll blame it on. That I did, but <laughs> Groundhog Day is a classic, though, to be fair. 
Groundhog Day is classic because of who was in it, not because of the actual story. I mean, the story is well, kind of like... I don't yeah. know about that. A lot of people really <laughs> like the story and explore the consequences. What if you were trapped in the same day over and over again? Hey, the only answer to that is I would live it better. <laughs> Maybe. If there's no way to get you out of it, then you probably have no choice, wouldn't you? Well, well, you know, I mean, it was nice that they gave him enough chances to get back and do it, but like, have realistic... you seen the movie, by the way? No, but the only thing you have... <laughs> clearly, I can't, I can't. but the only thing you have is the one chance to go through life, and so like you know. But would you consider? To... I guess it's hard to tell because you haven't seen it. But would you consider the movie Groundhog Day fantasy? I would consider it to be. Uh... Like it's magic realism, but it's well. Like I, I'm not. I wasn't terribly aware of the term magic realism, so you I would call, call yourself it fantasy. A <laughs> well, as I said, I'm less of a writer than you. Mm. So there is, there is the thought that like that one element could make it fantasy. But again, it is kind of in the eye of the beholder. I mean, all the stuff we're talking about, there will be people who agree with us. There will be people Absolutely. who don't. We're all people. We're not ants. People, well, people we all have different uh, we all have different opinions on this stuff Absolutely. too. So, like the the challenge the challenge of writing fantasy is kind of I mean I mentioned the big benefit of fantasy is that you get a clean slate to do whatever you choose if you want to go that far. Right. But the challenge is doing all of that, mm-hmm. doing all that research, making it right. Even if you don't want to make it right, you have to at least make it make some kind of sense within the story. Right. So you have to do a little bit of work. You have to do a little bit of groundwork to set that up. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. One thing I want to talk about is consistency. Like, I feel like a fantasy can have any rules it wants, any crazy, crazy rules, and people will buy it as long as you stick to those rules. Like, well, you have depends. to be consistent. Are you defining your own rules. But, yes, but even right. if it's I mean... rules you made up, as long as you're consistent with it and say this is the rule and you don't break it, people will buy it. Comic book death. <laughs> Well, you know, they've broken it three times. Well, actually, no, they've broken it once right now. Because <laughs> what do you, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. They've broken that a heck of a lot more. No, what I mean time. is, like, the, the comic book logic was that, I mean, first it was, they can't come back, but like the real world. However, <laughs> then it was like, okay, there are only three characters who will never come back. And um, yet they've come back, too. Only one of them has yet has still dead, and that is Ben Parker. <laughs> well, and the reality is this, like, even in alternate universes, he has. Ugh, comics are ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, that's exactly the point, though. Yeah. I mean, superhero superhero comics, in a way, are high fantasy because they're these extraordinary powers. They're these extraordinary people living extraordinary lives. I mean, yes, the rest of the people are completely ordinary and faceless. Well, and that's why I feel like that Marvel has had a lot more success as of late than DC because their heroes are more people. I mean, who can't relate to getting a little angry and having to blow off some steam every so often or... Being well, a, if you take that to be what the Hulk stands for, then yes. But, like, I mean, you're, you're right. It, 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 the issue of relating to those characters, when we don't have powers, mm-hmm. when we don't live in Metropolis, when we don't fly around with bright capes and stuff, you know, that's the only way that we have to relate to them. That, and, and I have to throw this out before we start ragging on DC too hard, because obviously... No, I, I really like DC. For a long like, time. I'm actually one of the few people who really likes Man of Steel, genuinely. I feel like it's I, I, I legitimately about. like I legitimately like Man of Steel as well. But here's my here's my thing. Before we rag on everyone else, all of these characters that go in comic books, whether they die, whether they come back, not every character is somebody's favorite. Absolutely, because there are too many people for that not to be true. 
And it may not make sense to you. You may not agree with it. But as long as you allow them to have their favorite character and they have a good reason why, then you shouldn't censor them for it. Absolutely. So, like, if you like DC, great. If you like Marvel, great. Now, from Marvel our perspective, Squirrel, Kill- <laughs> Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl, yeah. Squirrel Killer? <laughs> Squirrel Killer. That's going to be a villain, if anything. <laughs> I don't know. She'd be in a very specific villain. But anyway, I mean... Uh, well, she'd so have to that... fight Squirrel Girl. That's two Squirrel no, Girls. Right, exactly. Exactly. Obviously, arch nemesis. But anyway... Uh, you know, if you like Marvel, go redhead. The, in our experience, it is the quality of Marvel heroes that they're more humanized than those of DC. Right. For example, the always present argument about Superman versus Batman. Mm-hmm. Superman is an alien. Right. First off, we got to clear that out of the water. He has these amazing powers that none of us will ever physically have without some major weird means that probably don't even exist in reality. Right. And probably. he is these morals of Boy Scout. Well, see, that's the thing, though. Like, I agree that Batman's more relatable than Superman, but in, at the same time, though, Superman ha- is a reporter, and he has, like, a job that he has to make sure he's on time for, and he has, like, people in his life that he loves and loves. He was bullied a lot as a kid. Because people knew he was because different. Because he was weird. People knew he was And different. he grew up in freaking middle of U.S. He grew right. up in Smallville, Kansas. Absolutely. I mean, he was raised with these values that make him very, very human. Batman, meanwhile, is a billionaire. I don't know a lot of people who are billionaires. I'm assuming it's still not less than 100 people in the world. What, was the, <laughs> what was the meme about Iron Man? Take away the mask and what are you? A genius billionaire playboy philanthropist? And they asked the same question to Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> or you know the various the various counter arguments not the counter arguments the various other versions of that meme take it off one are you stark naked oh god <laughs> I haven't seen that one but it totally pretty, makes sense that they well, did yeah. it but like I mean the reality is this Batman is a, a very successful human clearly he's he more relatable invented Invented himself, and in that way, he is more relatable than Superman. But I think that there are the reason that people like Superman more than Batman. No, I I think it's the opposite. Do I think it's the opposite personally? But what I'm saying is this: those people that prefer Superman over Batman, right, like him for the values that he was taught by his Earth adopted family. Like him for the values that he brings. Batman is tortured soul. Like he's a tortured soul, which honestly, you know, it hasn't always been that way. It hasn't always been that way. I guess it's true. A lot of people forget that Batman started out as a very, very simple character who had a fairly tragic backstory, and he has become very, very dark over the years. Not to the level of the fact that he's like an anti-hero, but he was kind of He's very much an anti-hero, I'd argue, but... Well, he was kind of like like the prototype, you know? Right. He had this horrible backstory. He had this symbol that was associated with making people afraid for doing wrong and you know he gets dark and brooding but at the end of the day the reason why he has that moral code to not kill people is because if he didn't he would just kill everyone because like well he's probably could you know and he has so many villains that you know some people wish they would die even if they do they never never stay dead because it's comic books like we talked about absolutely (laughs) but like you know i think that one one thing that I want to add about superhero fantasy. I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to start calling comic books superhero fantasy. 
because even the ones most that aren't books, about superheroes. Well, the ones that aren't about superheroes, you know, there's a that, lot of that doesn't include it, right? There's actually, but a anyway, lot... okay, go on. There are a lot of comics that aren't superhero comics. I'm well aware of this, but right. perhaps the best-selling ones are superhero-related because you know everybody wants to have a hero to look up to, mm-hmm. or either and people so that's... look up to, relate to. It depends on what the viewer. Yeah. Well, relate to. That's what the other comics are for, especially. Mm-hmm. But you know, the point being that with superhero fantasy. You have so many creators that want to get into the pool. You know how I mentioned the fan fiction thing earlier? Mm-hmm. Comic books are a gigantic gathering of people who are essentially fan fiction writers. Absolutely. They have these creators who bounce between characters and tell the stories they want to tell about them. You mm-hmm. know, And there's nothing wrong with that approach because there are inevitably some stories that are received better than others. But, you know, every time the characters get revamped and redone and sometimes their powers change like Superman sometimes their characters change sometimes he builds walls with his eyes sometimes he spends time well you know I mean it depends on depends on what you can see and comic books it's nice because you add the visual aspect in text form in a book you have to imagine it, which, frankly, our imaginations are incredible, mm-hmm. and especially well, that's the why more a lot of people use it, the better it is. That's why a lot of people are really concerned. That's why a lot of people really don't seem to care for a lot of film adaptations of their books because it's not how they imagined it. Or not even just their books, but their favorite books, like whatever. So. Well, like that's the thing. Going back around to Harry Potter, I said we'd get back to it. Yes, of going back to Harry Potter, you know the screenplays for that. You add the benefit of having a visual form for people to see. To physically see, but you also add in a couple of challenges because you have to consider the runtime. You have to make you have to make it tell the best story in the time allotted to you, and make that as convenient as possible. Lord of the Rings is another example. It got very long. Right. Well, Some like, people don't like that. Well, like the first few Harry Potter movies, like the first two specifically, they're a lot of people forget this. They're almost exactly like scene for scene, word for word, like the books. The problem well, was they were, they were fairly similar because those books were the shortest, and so it was easy to do. Right, but even though they were the shortest, the second Harry Potter movie was the longest. It was like two hours and forty something minutes. They couldn't have kept doing that for the whole series, and they realized that. What? Well, that's why. That's why. Well, that's like, why they split Deathly Hallows into two movies. The only justified, the only justified time time that they did that Hollywood. So. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you feel about breaking to breaking dawn or new moon or whatever the heck. Twice it's not the, justified. The third. The, those books. I'm not saying happened. it was justified. I'm just saying that that that's that that was their decision. And they Mockingjay made, they made really got criticized. The last Hunger Games, Mockingjay really got criticized for that. Like speaking of another good series of books that is very popular right now, I have not read. That's not so. sci-fi. I mean, that that is sci-fi. That's not fantasy. It is sci-fi. Is what I mean. Okay, so how do you define the difference between sci-fi and fantasy? Sci-fi is about the implausible. Fantasy is about the impossible. That's the way I say it. I know that's a pretty dang good explanation, but here's my, <laughs> here's my take. Science fiction has a lot to do with trying to explain things. Fantasy just lets them go. You think Star it's Trek kind is of about ubiquitous, explaining anything? You, it, it's kind of the ubiquitous excuse. It's fantasy. Right. I don't have to explain it. But sometimes you do, as I found out. That was my excuse. Well, sometimes... Well, sometimes you want to, but if you don't, if you don't find a reason to explain it, people will write it off as, "Oh, it's fantasy. It's okay." Which Sci-fi, brings up a point: you don't get that free pass. So, like in Star Wars, the Force was no longer was wasn't explained for the longest time until in the Phantom Menace they mentioned it's like midi chlorians, and a lot of people were really, really upset about this. So, like it ruins the mystique that these little microscopic organisms that like people can that Jedi can channel. People were hated that. 
Well, that well brings... I mean, microscopic organisms, it's a hard thing to believe anyway. But, like, I've always they viewed exist. Star Wars as a fantasy anyway. That's what I was going to bring up. You do, view, you do view Star Wars as fantasy and not sci-fi. Because I definitely I don't view think it as fantasy. It... I couldn't... How could you call it sci-fi? Because it has robots, it has spaceships, it has lasers. The technology is not the guns. essential piece of that story. The, the whole thing correct. is about holding the universe. The, you are the, correct. The main piece of Star Wars is this fabric holding the universe together. You want to tell me that's technological? You are correct, but the, I'm just explaining it for a lot of people who are convinced that it's sci-fi because it has robots and spaceships. And just because it has technological things doesn't make it sci-fi. Look at Star Trek. Star Trek is more sci- is definitely more sci-fi. It's very soft of the two, yes. But... Okay, so then the, then you start getting into the the decorators, the qualifiers, soft sci-fi versus hard sci-fi. But we're talking about fantasy. Yeah. Okay. So but... to get back to so to get back to fantasy, right. But I think Star Wars is fantasy because you're right. There's nothing scientific about it. Like it's at its at its essence, it's about wizards and knights fighting an evil empire, who are ruled by an evil overlord, controlling a bunch of minions. That is like typical fantasy. There, it just happens well, and... to be sugar. It has to be coated with all sorts of sci-fi sort of tropes. Well, like, I was about to say that considering the popularity of cliches or tropes, as Donald likes to put them, right. uh, <laughs> you know, everything has cliches and tropes because there are no such thing as original ideas anymore. Right. But here's the thing that here's the thing that strikes me about it. Like with sci-fi, you're limited to something scientific that you're explaining off, and that's why it's science fiction because mm-hmm. it's something that theoretically could happen through science, either in the future or whatever. Fantasy, you're not worried about explaining anything. And consequently, fantasy is a very, very broad topic. You've got space operas that can be considered fantasy, Star Wars. You've got stories about anthropomorphic animals that could be considered fantasy, both Dimitri Duck and to use a series that I've read a lot of, Redwall. Okay, I want to ask you about Redwall. How is it fantasy? Like, it's just anthropomorphic animals in a medieval world. I'm... I do not believe there's magic in it, is there? Well, there really isn't much in the way of magic, but there is a lot of, like, old spirits coming back to talk with people and well, inspire I guess that's, them. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty magical. <laughs> that's pretty well, fantastical. Like, I mean, but... Well, it's, it's definitely fantastical. I don't think it has much to do with magic, but there are people who, like, ascribe to using spells and stuff. But, like, you know, it, depending on your definition of fantasy, even just having the main characters not be human... Well, I guess, like I said, like element. I said, Dimitri Duck is fantasy, but I think I was just joking about that. <laughs> like well, that. I no, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it's telling a human story with the main character not being a human. So is Arthur? And that is not the classic cartoon show. Arthur is that fantasy? That is what you're saying. <laughs> well, again, Mister Rogers was in that. <laughs> he was just an he, animal. Uh, <laughs> okay, again, it is in the eye of the beholder. And we may not agree completely on what it is. And and I'd hate to get this and devolve it into a list of, oh, well, is this fantasy? Yes. No. I actually kind of wanted to do that's that. Not the, but that's not the point. Because, like, that that would take forever because a lot of uh, – it would take a long time for us to come up with all the stories that we really want to answer that question for. But, like, the deal is this, that, you know, there's something about it that is unexplained that makes it different and that's why fantasy is so broad. Right. In my head, I don't know if you agree with it being that broad, Donald. No, or it's not, pretty broad. But... It's pretty broad. 
because you've got you've got different types of fantasy. You've got the elves and orcs fantasy. You've got the space fantasy. You've got the dragons and you've got the dwarves and you've all got that Groundhog stuff. Day and Freaky Friday. <laughs> well, that you said something about like magic realism, and I it's, honestly, it, some people call them fantastical comedies or fantastical stuff like that. So. Well, I, I, as I said, in the eye of the beholder. The reviewers might have called them fantastical comedies. I would have just called them stupid comedies. But that's How dare you? <laughs> you haven't even seen Groundhog Day. You have no. I have seen to... Freaky Friday though. Freaky Friday is pretty dumb, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and, and that's not to say that Groundhog Day is bad. I'm just saying it's that it's a dumb bad. comedy. Well, you know, everyone's everyone's entitled to your opinion, but you're in the minority. And you also haven't seen it yet, so. Well, as I always you say, go, I like to go see things rent a copy of the VHS. I'm sure you have a VHS, the VHS player somewhere. VHS? No, seen? I do not have a VHS player lying around. Come on, that's Come on, you're fantastic. a dinosaur, right? You have old stuff lying around. You're older than me. Come on. I'm more with the times than you. <laughs> Anyways, the reality is that, the reality is this that like. I don't like making opinions on things before I've tried them for myself. So it's why yeah, I don't have saying... a very strong opinion on Twilight <laughs> or, or Hunger Games. But you have such an opinion on Groundhog Day, apparently. I don't have such an opinion on Groundhog you Day. You called I'm it just dumb. I'm saying and... that based on what I know, which is not very much, I will admit, mm-hmm. based on what I know, it seems dumb. Because like it's Bill Murray living days over because he can't learn the freaking lesson. He just needs to be a better person. To be fair, he doesn't know it's a lesson at first. So now, there's maybe more to it than that. There is, but there's actually a, a there's he actually, more to it than that. He actually unleashed a mummy that put a curse on him. Now you're mixing Brendan Fraser with Bill Murray. And I wanted to I see. Like I that. wanted to see. Well, there wasn't a curse. There was a curse in the mummy, but <laughs> it wasn't like it was put onto Brendan Fraser. <laughs> it was, anyways. Which that brings up another point. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Wait, no. I was going to say, is the mummy fantasy? It obviously is. <laughs> like, I was like, why are you even asking How me about Indiana question? Jones? Hmm. Is Indiana Jones I don't Jones know. Fans? That one's... I, I, I could see it, and finding the right category for it, like, oh, this is space fantasy. Oh, this is archaeological fantasy. Oh, this is elves and high fantasy. You know, I, I don't think that it's easy to slap that label on it, but I think there are... Vi- I, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go so far as to say I think that any story could have fantastical elements, but that does that make it fantasy? I think it depends on how many of them there are, well, and how prevalent. We were talking they are, about Batman earlier. So one of the last, one of the last adaptations of Batman was the Dark Knight trilogy, which prided itself in making it in the real world. And, well, Man of Steel was supposed to be grounded too, but it actually had an alien in it, though. Um, well, right, but. Dark Knight and Batman Begins and the, I guess The Dark Knight Rises too. I haven't actually seen that one. I haven't um, seen that one either. What? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Whatever. But anyways, um, they a lot of that that could happen in the real world. Honestly, like almost the entire thing could happen. There's not any fant- fantastical elements in it, really. Except for the likelihood that this guy who is rich decides to do this and adopt but the symbol it's possible, of a bat to scare people. Thing. And there actually right. are there actually are vigilantes out there that I, dressed up I as understand. superheroes. So. I understand that there are vigilantes, and I understand that there are cosplayers. They're usually two different things, but you know, usually, I mean, the purpose. <laughs> well, you know, some of the extreme ones, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, the deal is this: the the brilliance of Batman is that he makes himself right. But like, if you look at like older Batman movies, 
they had clear fantastical elements, like with poison ivy. That can't happen. Uh, or like well, the Lazarus, most of, most the, of his the Lazarus pits couldn't happen. Like which you, the actually the villain most famous for using them was in Batman Begins. But he didn't use out. the Lazarus pit. Like like in Batman in the original story, Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul, however the heck you pronounce it. He, Ra's al Ghul. I'll just make it easy on you. I think I've heard other people say it other ways though, but. Well, again, in the eye of the beholder, or in the ear in this case. All right, well, I am now officially Matt Doonald, then, I guess. Cause Matt that's... Doonald. And you're Matt, Matt Steven. Steven? How the heck did you get there from David? There's a V in it. <laughs> okay. Anyways, in Batman Begins, he's not... Oh, sorry, in the comics, Roger Ghul is immortal. But in Batman Begins, they show that it's actually just a title that many men have held over thousands of years. They sure. they add realistic explanations to all of it. Like, like, so my guess my question is, that's not fantasy then, right? Like, even though it's well, a, based on the comic book, well, right, it's, based, and, and, it's about a superhero. That's definitely like all that could happen. I mean, some you could argue like some of the devices they use or some of the things they do; those are kind of weird, but they're they're more implausible than completely well, sure. impossible. Well, well, like sure. the sonar and, device in the Dark Knight was might have been a little much, but I'm sure someone could come thing, up with something like that. Well, and there's there's plenty of reason for it to exist too. I mean, like mm-hmm. it, there, there's a practical use for having all of these fantastic things that if you can get them, then you should you know theoretically be able to. The extent of that stops with the alien from Krypton because if he's the only one, which forget about supergirl obviously but you know, well, and you know and all we, none bodies. of us none of us can be krypton kryptonian mm-hmm. i remember reading that man some of Steel... us may be really strong i i really imagine that most of us can't have x-ray vision which is unfortunate for the pervert in me but that's okay oh my god um but i remember reading about man of Steel, though. the reason why it was more grounded wasn't so much they didn't take away any of the powers and had realistic explanations to them it was more grounded in how they would react to him and like there's or like all the things that would happen as well like there's one instance at the beginning where he's holding an oil rig okay he's holding it up with his hands to make sure a a, a helicopter escapes now even though he's using all the super strength to keep the oil rig up he's also standing on a beam that starts collapsing underneath him because the strength has to go somewhere most of the time force has to go somewhere yes the force the force yeah it has to go somewhere and not midi-chlorian version right no, that would be a really fun Star Wars Superman <laughs> crossover. Well, you were talking, uh, you know, with with fantasy. I would be, I would be really intrigued, you know, just to throw some things together and see see what would happen. It's kind of like a chemical mixture. You just throw it together and see what happens. Well, it'd yeah, be like, really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, like not, an alchemist, throw whatever you got in there, put it in a blender, and see what pops out. Yeah, if you get a philosopher's stone for it, then you're golden. But like, I mean, or sorcerer's stone if it's the American version. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I've seen a lot of very, very intrepid writers who try to combine things together. Uh, I I keep going back to this again. It's what I know. There's a there was a very interesting fanfic. I won't say it was great writing, but it was a very interesting fanfic that essentially tied Power Rangers, the continuity, into the DC universe. And the entry point was simply a shared last name. Really? <laughs> In one of the series of Power Rangers, the Red Ranger is named Carter Grayson. 
And if you know anything Dick about Grayson, the history of Batman, right? right. One was Dick Robinson, Grayson. Dick Grayson, yeah. And actually, Dick Grayson in one continuity became Batman. So there was a lot of people intrig- become Batman. There was an Thomas Wayne has become Batman before. Yes, Gordon, Thomas Wayne in a different Gordon, universe. Jim Gordon has also become Batman too, right? Yes. I'm actually, sure the Joker has the... maybe become Batman and Bruce Wayne became the Joker. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think that's happened yet. Who knows? You might inspire the next person who works on it. Oh, but no. like, I mean... What are they doing? Listen to this piece of crap podcast. <laughs> They're really desperate well, for ideas. Right they? now, right now, we are better writers than them. That does not mean it will stay that way. <laughs> I guess it's true. There's probably a lot of people who will listen to our words and become much better than we will ever hope to be. But... Well, and I hope that we do manage to inspire some people because, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, inspiration doesn't necessarily just take place in the form of concepts but getting support getting assistance getting feedback those are important pieces of the puzzle absolutely well you said about combining stuff this is the last thing i think i want to talk about because we're we're over an hour right now i mean unless well you do have editing to do so around an hour or over around an hour basically we'll start to wrap it up so but i'm gonna save the worst for last oh god science fantasy (laughs) Science fantasy. It's a tricky thing to figure out because you could say it's science, it's fantasy with science fiction elements. Well, then Star Wars is science fantasy. It's not like science no, fantasy like... is a mix of both genres. Not it's a hard thing to place. I think the best example of science fantasy, and definitely the most mainstream one I can think of, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Especially, honestly, I was kind of going to say Star Trek. No, that's more Star. That's more really soft. I don't know anymore. <laughs> when you analyze all things, well, again, it, again, it, it's in the eye of the beholder. But like, science fantasy is is a pain to figure out because, like, at what point is it fi- is it science fiction? What point is it fantasy? Right. You know, and in my take on this, my take on it is this: you know, if it isn't if it isn't fantasy, it is fiction. Right. Because, like, in it, it's kind of like how the squares and rectangles relationship Mm -hmm. like all fantasy is fiction but not all fiction is fantasy well like because while some may be more realistic than others mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it is possible well i think it should have elements of both science fantasy should like i bring up the marvel cinematic universe because on the sci-fi side you have iron man who has been told in great detail how his stuff works like how the logistics of all of his and of all of his technology and stuff the power of it all all the missiles and invented himself. By yeah, the way. and he invented it himself, and like with actual parts, like well, like I'm referring to, he's the he's the self-made hero, like Batman. Well, yeah, absolutely the equivalent. Yeah, in that case. and he's even more of a self-made hero than Batman because Batman just basically got his riches from his from his by inheriting them. While Tony Stark, I'm assuming, earned it all himself. Well, his dad was a very very rich man as well. But Howard like, Stark. The point, or, the point or, is, or you're talking about uh, Thomas Wayne. I'm talking about uh, Tony Stark's father Stark, because right. Stark Company was already going. Yeah, you're right. Tony just made you're right. it. You're right. Never mind. I forgot. More... <laughs> I call myself a nerd. Well, like, well, the thing, the thing is this. Like, sorry, this is not referring to your point about science and fantasy, no but like, when you when you're a self-made man, everybody is given a certain amount of resources. Mm-hmm. The difference is how you use Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But the point is, so like, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Go ahead. so we got Iron Man. Even Thor, Thor's a little bit on both sides, but they sort of say, oh, it's not the Rainbow Bridge, it's the Einstein-Rosen Bridge, which is basically a wormhole or anything like that. That's just being, It's just really, really advanced technology that seems like magic to you guys. But on the other hand, we got Doctor Strange. I really love that explanation. I do, I do as well. But on the other hand, we got Doctor Strange coming out this year. 
And Kevin Feige, the producer of the whole Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, is like, we're not working around this. This isn't alien tech. This isn't really advanced tech. This is magic. Well, and I like that this, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is unafraid to tell different kinds well, of Well, I just like the Marvel Remember comic books. Remember when we so. talked about, well, well, like the Marvel comic, well, comic books in general will go right, that far. So. But like the thing that, the thing that strikes me is with fantasy, you talk about a broad brush. Right. And remember how I said that with characters, every character is somebody's favorite? Mm-hmm. It's the same way with genres. Sometimes they're more niche interests, but it's somebody's favorite. Absolutely. So well, why not try and tell the best story you can? Yeah, you know, you're probably right. Some genres so much better. Even like, yeah, I was thinking of... Even the Twilight, even the... I was thinking more like the, torture porn, uh, like Saw. Yeah, that's well, clearly someone's favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely someone's favorite. Yeah. Or the shock, well, like I was gonna, sort of. I was going to mention, I was going to mention anime and anime Sailor Moon. Definitely... There's a term for it, and there's a term for it in Japanese. It's called bishoujo, which translates to magical girl. Yeah, that's definitely a favorite genre for anime. If you think so, well, that's definitely a favorite genre for many people. Absolutely. I'm just saying that any genre has the chance to be somebody's favorite. So, if you like a certain aspect of fantasy, listeners, write the best story you can because somebody out there will like it. And it won't be everyone. No, and you can never please okay. anybody. But at the same time, you should go. You, you can please anybody, but you can't please everybody. Absolutely. You should just please whoever you want to please and try to shoot for that. Like, just make sure that somebody. It was kind of. But. Well, it was kind of a. It was kind of an interesting tip. I, I read. I read an article recently. I do. I do read a lot of internet articles about mm-hmm. um, stuff for inspirational help and about sports because I like sports, but. Um, this article was about some, a, a certain number of tips. I think it was 45 tips that every man should know. I will preface this by saying that, ladies, this does apply to you too. Don't change something about yourself right. to please someone else. Because you'll eventually find a girl or, or, if you're a lady, a guy. To, to, sorry, I, I said it wrong. Don't change yourself to please somebody right. unless that somebody is you. Right, absolutely. That's definitely true. And turning it, turning it around to writing, if you write, if you're an author, if you write, if you want to be an author, if you just write for fun, you do it because you want to Absolutely. enjoy Absolutely. And, you know, if you want to be a published writer, obviously you've got to think about what audiences, audiences want to go for. But even me, I plan to be published at some point in my miserable future. <laughs> but... Uh, who knows? If I'm half as good as people say I am, then maybe I could publish a book possibly, and call it possibly. good. Just to say I'm an it's, author. It's definitely possible. But anyways, um, my point is, though, like, even I, I will probably want to write stuff that no one else I don't think will care about. And also, so what? It's called creative. It's basically just free, creative license. Yeah, it's, called, it's freelance writing is the word I was going for. Or maybe, oh, just basically just write for yourself. You don't even have to show anybody. Just, I don't know. Or if you want to show everybody, it's all up to you. Well, write, write for yourself. But, you know. Find people who will support you doing it. Absolutely. You know, and share it with them. Because they may not like the story, but in those people that don't like the story but like you, right. you'll find your best criticism. Absolutely. The most constructive help you can yes, get. Cri- yes, absolutely. Real quick before we decide to try and start closing out, now, however long that will take. Uh, hopefully not um, <laughs> Well, I'm just, well, like with our, with our nature of tangenting and stuff like that, it could take a while. But uh, just to get a quick list of like essential fantasies, some of them we might have talked about over this podcast, some of them we haven't, and maybe 
some of you want to hear more about it and you can ask us and we can do some research or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say we might read all these things because like we may not be interested at all, but, or may not have the resources. Or but, I might be too you know, busy playing online games and procrastinating and such. <laughs> well, like if, so, so for example, we've talked about Twilight, the Hunger Games. We talked about Twilight the Rings, way too much. I think we mentioned Twilight more than Harry anything Potter. else we've talked about. No, that's not true. We talked about Star Wars more than I, anything else. I know, I might have to... And, con- and superheroes, because yeah, that right. one's a big one on our minds. But, like, um, what are what are some other major fantasies out there that, you know, we, we at least we acknowledge they're there, even if we didn't necessarily mention them. So, know. like, one that comes to mind for me is um, Narnia. Right, yeah. Um, a lot of people probably would be a little bit turned off by Narnia because they might not agree with the religious sort of... Well, there are some it. religious undertones, but like just reading it as a story by itself, yeah, it's I really not, enjoyed it's, it. I didn't really think about the religious aspect. Like Tolkien was religious too, but it's not nearly as obvious. The, the... Well, Tolkien's wasn't because it wasn't based on his religion. Like you can draw definite parallels in the journey of in, in the journey of Narnia and make a connection with the character from spoiler alert aslan dies and then comes back i don't know if it's three days later (laughs) well it's not three days later it might be like like, the next morning uh, maybe in a few hours but like yes i mean yes a lot of the a lot of the people who have critiqued narnia have said it's very obvious that aslan is a god figure which frankly he is he's the powerful guy i get it but like just to make the point that narnia is a very very famous popular in some circles fantasy mm-hmm. are there others that were missing oh uh well we talked about harry potter but in terms of people things the video game series warcraft i feel like is an excellent fantasy a lot like a lot of people say oh warcraft is so nerdy yes but <laughs> it's well a lot of these well all of these probably have fandoms let's throw that out like, there i don't play a lot of world of warcraft but i played a lot of the strategy games and Every now and then I look at the World of Warcraft wiki to look at just the crazy world that they've built. And it's really quite fascinating. Well, and it doesn't, and its storytelling is not limited to text form, obviously. Well, yeah. And also they have a lot movies of, and video games they have a lot of fun yeah. twists on the standard races while still keeping them what they are. Like the orcs are not always, they're not, they're not minions anymore. They're their own kind of race. And they're, they're also... I don't know, they're they're green, they have tusks, but they're also really brutish, which it's kind of interesting. Um, but also the dwarves, they're not all miners who use axes. A lot of them actually use some sort of steampunk guns, which sort of fits in an odd way. You could see dwarves doing that more than some of the other races. Like it it's like Yeah, it's it's a very fascinating sort of thing. The undead are usually the main villains of Scourge, but um and the Burning Legion is the overarching sort of thing. That's sort of a typical, like, consume everything and destroy everything kind of villain. But like, Well, and as I said, there are cliches with all of these pieces. But also, there are planets. It's it's not sci-fi, but there's a lot of sci-fi elements in it. Like, the orcs are from another planet, Draenor, while all the humans and some of the other people are on, are on Azeroth. And they got there via portal, because they don't have space travel. That's that's Starcraft. Well, until you get to Starcraft. That's Starcraft. Starcraft <laughs> is not fantasy. It is not fantasy. It is very, 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 very soft sci-fi, though. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like, I would, I would go so far as to possibly consider science fantasy a genre for that. Like, again, uh, it's in the eye of the beholder, right. and I don't think we'll agree on that because you stated your case. Absolutely. But, like, 
you know. I feel like science fantasies. I'm trying to think of some. I'm trying to think of some major. Like we've mentioned Star Trek and Star Wars. We mentioned Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, uh, Narnia. Now we talked a little bit about Redwall. Some of you fans, some of you listeners, may be a really big fan of Redwall. I I really did enjoy that series, but it's been a mm-hmm. long time since I've read it. Um, we talked about Twilight. <laughs> uh, talked about the Hunger Games, although that's hardly fantasy. Uh, Hunger Games is not fantasy. Hunger Games is not fantasy. Yeah, I well, I'm not again. I'm not really worried. I don't about think there's it. an ounce of magic it, so in that opinion. series. I haven't read it either, but from everything I've seen about it, I'm very surprised. Have you watched the movie? Actually, I have not. <laughs> so why do you have such a strong opinion about it? Because I've anyway. seen. You know, you're right. There could be a whole race of magic wielding wizard elves that I've missed from all the trailers. <laughs> that it's only in the movie. <laughs> well, and the reality is too. I mean. It's so easy for us to take the pers- take the opinion of other people and adopt it as our own. But the, the thing that I always argue for is to do that for yourself. Give something a fair shake before you make an opinion. Right. I mean, when you have a series that runs long enough, you get a bunch of different uh, different stories told. Kind of like comic books, there's so many different ways to tell that story, and they've they've all been done. But maybe not by each specific character. I mean, there's a there's a dark time in Superman's past. There's a plenty of dark times in Batman's past. But there's also a light time in Batman's Absolutely. past. To use the, the kind 66 of situation. So mainly, there have been there have been uh, dark moments and light moments in Spider-Man. To use a very popular example right. from Marvel, right. you know, and, and so like with these stories, you owe it to yourself to read through them and dis- determine for yourself whether they're fantasy, whether they're not fantasy, if you like them or not, and, you know, to inform yourself about these things. Right. And if you want to ask us to do that, I make no guarantees, but we can do our best. So basically, in a nutshell, we're all, no one's better than, any, nothing is better than anything else, and it's all up to you as an opinion, which is exactly the reason why we are better writers than you. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. I think that's all we can say here. Just end it with like some sort of zinger like that. Well, well, I don't know about a zinger, but like, you know, uh, before, before we do close out though, I want to give a chance to make sure final thoughts. These can be about fantasy. This can be about anything that is uh, appropriate for all ages. And, We'll see. We'll see what we get. Maybe it'll give us an episode. Maybe idea. Who, knows? who knows? We'll never know, or we'll probably find out. If point. we ever get to a second, if we ever get to a here's second, here's to hoping. <laughs> fingers crossed. Pray to whatever god you believe in. Cross your fingers. Cross your eyes. Hope. Pray. Whether that god be God Himself, the devil, Oprah, money, <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> there probably exists a religion about her. All right. Anyways, all right. All right. Well, all right. I final I'm, thoughts. Do you have anything to add, final thoughts? We can close with the name stuff afterwards. I was, no, I think we so covered like my, it. <laughs> okay, so, so my final thought for the day, to take, to take it away from fantasy for a little while, I, I really do enjoy the uh, prominence of superhero movies in this day. Absolutely. I think that it's been a wonderful time to be a superhero fan. Uh, interestingly enough, Power Rangers, I mentioned earlier, they celebrated 20 years of existence, which mm-hmm. makes me feel both old and kind you of You were cool there for the very first episode. I was there for the very first episode, although I probably wasn't watching. Mm-hmm. And I really do enjoy that series. They celebrated 20 years. The series that it's based on is celebrating 40 years this year, which <laughs> means there are two generations of kids that grew up with Super Sentai in, the ja- in Japan. Right. And so, like, 
between those shows that have long success and they have the formula they keep going back to and these all these superhero movies on tap and the ones that have come out recently thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it is a fantastic time to be a superhero fan. And I did mention that a lot of them are fantasy, but, you know, because there are so many heroes, there's got to be one that you, you could connect with and you, you can appreciate because every character is somebody's favorite. So I would encourage you to go find your own. Finally, for myself, if you're struggling to get an idea down, do lots of reading. Absolutely. It sounds counterintuitive. Write it a couple words down. Get your ideas. because it's true. <laughs> get, your, get your ideas down. Let them stew a little bit more. Do some reading. See what works well. See what makes you enjoy the books and stuff and the, see the movies and whatnot because you can try and use those elements for your story. Absolutely. And whatever you do, do not use blah as your first word because you will basically have a blank canvas. Okay, you don't have to keep it. <laughs> you don't have to keep it in there. There's a there's a contest that I usually partake in in November called National Novel We should Writing save that for another episode because I feel like we would have a we'll, whole episode we'll, about we'll talk that. about We'll talk the we'll talk about that as part of another episode. I don't think we have enough to fill the entire thing, but like the the deal is this. They talk about plot ninjas. Literally drop a ninja into your plot and see what right. happens. Because they're all about getting more words down. Mm. So if it's a way to start, if even if you don't keep it, that's fine. Yeah. But get something down so you're not looking at a blank screen. And then from there, see where it takes you. Writing is a journey. It's a fun journey. So enjoy it and use as many inspirations as you can. Find as many people who will support you as you can. And Final thoughts from you, Donald. My voice is really tired. Other than that, um, other than that, I feel like the best way for me to get inspiration for a scene, as well as read, because that's very, very true. And but, um, write. Think about the next scene you're going to write, and think about a way that make it interesting for you to write. If you have the idea in your head, like, but it's not making you want to write. You know, you're getting the classic writer's block, and you don't know how to do it. Having that same idea and just pushing it through, it's not going to help. Because it would be very difficult for you to push it through. Instead, you got to think of, okay, how can I make this scene more interesting for me to write so I don't have writer's block? But that's a topic for another day, I think. I think we should end this right now. We're almost an hour and 20 minutes and not counting editing. So, Which that has a lot to do. So that's why I, part, part of the reason why I extended it so long. But here's, but here's the end of it for us then, for this first episode of The Rit Wit, yep. where us two twits talk about ridding. Ugh. Because we enjoy ridding so much. That we do. And because we're better writers than Absolutely. you. Absolutely. In the meantime, <laughs> until you prove us wrong, I'm Matt David. I'm Matt Donald. Peace and out. And we'll see you next God time. Bless. Don't kill yourselves, okay? <laughs>